Joshua chapter 1. As I've mentioned, we're going to look at this, and I, I believe there's, I know there's application for every Christian, for every God seeker, everyone who desires to know the truth, the purpose, and the design for their life. We're going to see it through the, we're going to look through the lens, if you would, of Scripture that reveals a person, a character, uh, an individual by the name of Joshua. We know from what we've read or can read in Scripture that he was a soldier. We know Joshua was also a servant. We know he was a, a spy, in a sense. He was, he was sent on this uh, mission with others to go in and find out what the enemy's about, what they're, they're kind of up to. So he was sent in with others, and him and uh, Caleb were the only two that came back with an accurate assessment in light of God's presence. They were the only two that had the right attitude, if you would. He spent 40 years with wanderers, even though he was faithful to God. And then he was invited, through his life story, you see, he was invited to lead people into a life of faith and hope. So we see Joshua as an example of faithfulness, consistency, hope, and joy. And so if, if you're maybe a lady here, and you're like, oh, that's right, it's Father's Day. It's going to be a message for Father. No, this is, this, is, this is from our Lord. This is God's message to his people individually. The specifics we're going to look at are, we, of course, historical. They're, they're, you, know, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. Well, you have this Old Testament story of what took place, and it's for our benefit to learn from it, to take hold of it. And so... With that in mind, I'd like to focus on Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And by practice, I like to, to read through it, and then we'll go back and we'll kind of take it apart, so to speak, and see what it encompasses. By reading through the nine verses, it kind of gives us a little more of the big picture, at least on the text we'll focus upon. So let's just jump into verse 1, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, well, let's just step right back over to verse 1, and, and let's just uh, kind of walk through this. We see 
principles, and I, I think it's going to be easy to, to make up application on some of these. We see first off that um, Joshua hears from the Lord. And I would just say that simply, listen, perhaps God is speaking from his word to you. What this conveys to you and I when it's presented here and we consider other passages and even as we finished recently the, the last book of the, of the Bible between Genesis and Revelation, we finished Revelation and there's these, these exhortations to, to listen. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying. What that conveys to you and I is an important principle and that God knows you. He has a plan for you and reveals that plan as needed. It's really important because sometimes we get caught in busyness and circumstances and relationships and stresses and trials and joys and happiness and just life. And sometimes we inadvertently waver or maybe wander a little bit from the basic foundation. So it's so important to kind of reset and just, okay, let's make sure I remember this. God, God will speak to you from his word. Now, I don't know, I don't think that Joshua had like a burning bush 2.0 encounter, you know, where he had like a, just like an audible thing or something like that. I think that, that it literally came the way you and I would experience it for the most part in that his knowledge of the word, because, you know, he's working with a, you know, he's, he is a part of what we read about. So he's just five books in is what he's got to, to work with. And so, he, but he knows it. He's placed himself where he can receive it. He's chose to respond to it. He's he held it in high regard. And so that word that's written on the tablet of his heart, God has this, this ability because of his power, his presence, to make it come alive, to illuminate it, if you would. So don't think of it exclusively like he God spoke to him, so it was audible through the ears. I would speak to say to you, he spoke to the heart, which then spoke echoed up to the mind, realizing that it was God's presence that was speaking to him. Because, you know, Jesus said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saying. So there's so important that we develop a, a sensitivity that individually we, we understand from the word of God what God is emphasizing, what he is, if you think about it from another picture of if you're trying to read something and you're just kind of getting pieces of it, but it kind of starts to glow a little bit. Maybe there's some illumination on one portion and just one section has kind of a, a, an obvious like ability. You can, oh, okay. That's what happens to you and I when we read sometimes. One portion as we read our devotion or our Bible, you know, as, out of a discipline and a love and an act of worship, it just stands out more. So some of you grab your phone and you text your friend, oh, this verse was awesome today, Right? Or you happen to catch one because it, 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 you heard it. That's what's been presented. We took hold of it. And so it, it does take discipline. Here's a good picture, I think. I have to mention moms more than dads, and you'll understand with the example. So suppose we're starting service. And this side door over here is open, and maybe not even open. Mom just, just dropped off her children, say, in the nursery. She dropped off her children in the nursery, and she makes it to that hallway and about to open the door, and she stops, and she listens. That's Junior, because she knows his voice, her little infant or toddler she just dropped off. She's like, now, Dad's like, are you coming or not? 
Because honestly, they're just, we're just not, I like to say it's not a gender thing, but it's basically, you didn't birth that child. You don't know him that well at that age. And so quite honestly, mom knows like, oh, because she's tuned her ear. Love has trained her to take hold of, oh, you see that sweet picture? That as we tune our ear and, and we'll train ourselves, okay, I, I really think this is the Lord speaking to me. Joshua, he hears from the Lord, and God has a plan for your life, and he will give you insight, direction. And what's really fascinating, don't ever forget, that he gives you the plan in proportion to his wisdom, not your requirement. See, if God has a plan for my life, I just want to read the whole book. Because there's some chapters I'd probably want to tear out. So you are the same way. He prompts you to be a part of something or do something or somehow it grows spiritually. And you're like, yeah, but what, what are you going to do then? Well, just take this, just do this part. Okay, but what are you going to do after that? We'll, we'll just do this part. Okay, I will, but if you do this, what, what, but then what? Does it, do, you, do, do you sound like your child before God sometimes? Because that's how the relationship. He's our father. And he goes, listen, just take this first step and we'll talk about it. And I can show you several portions in scripture. Even what's going to happen at the Jordan River with this group we're reading about. They have to take one step. Wait a minute. If we step in the water and it doesn't stop, we got a problem. No, you don't. I do. God would have the problem. He's the one that prompted. But wait a minute, if we cross and there's a Jericho, this fortress, then we got to deal with that. And he goes, no, you don't. I do. Well, how are you going to do it? Well, take your first step. But that's your plan for my life? Yes. This is something I can say for certainty in absolute confidence. It's best that I don't know. It's best, literally, it's better for me. I will grow more, I'll be challenged more, I'll, I'll have to step out in true faith, not what I think faith is. It's better to just know what the first step is and then sort out whether I'm gonna do that or not. I'd like to say then you just step forward, like, well, yeah, well, maybe when we get to heaven, but not right now. Joshua, he's exhorted, He's spoken to. What's his position? What's his title? Notice in verse 1, Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. It was, he's Moses' servant. He was serving under Moses. Joshua chose to serve God. Joshua chose this position. It wasn't an inherited thing. There are some elements to that of almost all the, some of these positions in the Old Testament, a certain qualification. But you could be qualified and choose not to do what you should do. Joshua said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to walk with God. I'm gonna, and I don't know the, the time in his life and the, the moment where he just had this, this determination to say, you know what, though none go with me, Still, I will follow. I will go. We know he had to have that because he went out with the other spies and him and Caleb were the only one that stood true to God in the midst of adversity and peer pressure and spoke what they knew to be true. Not in defiance in any way putting the others down. They just they stayed the course. And so God's design for human growth, for, for our experiences, is servant leadership. Servant leadership. The world has a different design. 
It elevates and lifts up by, by different measures and standards. We don't need to discuss that at this point. But understand, God's design is servant leadership. Joshua, there's no indication from his character, from the stories, from his engagement. There's nothing that would tell or lead you and I to believe that he was a ladder climber. You know, just looking to climb up different positions. He was simply a servant. He chose to just serve in, in whatever was handed to him and support in whatever means. And it was his way that he was serving God. Because God had established an order, an element of authority with equality to produce unity. And so with all of that, Joshua, he, was just, he just chose to serve. It's, he was a servant and became a leader. And he was actually leading by the way he was serving. And we know later, to you and I, the word is said, Jesus' words himself out of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So this servant leadership, I really want you to ponder it and think it through and look at it when you're looking into the word because it is so liberating and so freeing to live according to God's design in a culture that is contrary to God's design, in a culture that has magazines titled Self. It's really not the best reference manual, so to speak, to learn servant leadership. You know what I'm saying? There's so much in our society that's me first. It's what about you? How do you feel about that? It's oriented around our perceptions and our emotion. And and both those are important things, but they're not the thing that should compel us and propel us. Instead, we got to realize, man, there is a certain thing that happens when you serve. Something happens that is almost immeasurable to the logic. There's something that takes place in our experience because God has made us to serve, to worship. That's just how he's designed us. As much as you breathe, as much as you have these certain autonomic activity, I guess we could say, you didn't like go, okay, I got to remember to program my heart for this afternoon so it doesn't stop. You know, I got a new app for it. It'll keep my heart going. I make sure I schedule it every day. I got to make sure I get this done. You can do that with your food, but you don't do it with your cardiopulmonary system, correct? It just happens because it's a part of you. Serving is just the same. It is just the same. When we learn to serve, that's why Jesus put an emphasis upon the manner and means by which he would save humanity. He would come and serve humanity. And it wasn't about drawing attention to himself. It was just fulfilling his, his purpose, if you would. Let's move on. We're going to make it all the way to verse 2. So, Moses, my servant is dead. It seems kind of cold, doesn't it? Like, hey, next man up. Well, you have to get the context. It just, it's not fitting a chronology. It doesn't just break the news. Oh, you haven't seen Moses for a while? You want to know why? He ain't here no more. No, Joshua is going through a season. Seasons have sadness. They have sorrow. And yet, Joshua, at this point in God's perfect timing, is brought to a point where he's to arise to the invitation. We think of even rise to the occasion, and that's fitting, but I see here it's rise to the invitation. At God's prompting, Joshua, Joshua was to, to get up and to go. There's a time to grieve. There's a time to mourn. We're told that in Romans 
12, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be of the same mind to one another, do not set your mind on high things. We're told in Ecclesiastes, in chapter 3, in detail, there's these seasons of life, there's these times, and there's a time to grieve and a time to mourn. But we all know the truth is there's also a time to go, okay, this is what it is, this is where it is, this is how it is. Now it's time to step up. It's time to, to arise. And, and God's prompting, he's to get up and go. He's to, to realize this. And Joshua, in many ways, will honor Moses by the way Joshua leads and lives out what he learned through Moses. See, God's model for spiritual growth, God's example, if you would, in his design, is that the mentor and the disciple, is, is the model is one where the servanthood is learned by example. You know, some say it's like it's, it's caught and not taught, but it actually involves both. But you see what I'm saying? Here is this occasion. Moses, Moses is with me is the way to see this. Moses is with me, and you're going to now lead the people. And it's a whole new season. It's a time for, for Joshua to understand something because it's relationally changed a little bit. It's relationally where Joshua is going to relate to God in a sense, in, a, in another way, because he was under the shadow or the leading and the example of Moses, which many of us have that mentor in our life. Somebody invited you to Christ. Somebody clarified the truth to you. Some of you were blessed because that person may still be in your life and still be able to kind of give that, that, that leadership. But ultimately, Moses, as he's out of the picture, now Joshua has a new element to his relationship. He won't seek God. Or, hey, hey, Mo, what, what, what do you think on this? I don't think he ever called him Mo, but he might have. But what do you, what do you, you know, do I, what do you think? Well, you know, remember back when we were five, the Amalekites and, well, see, he doesn't have that now. He, he's now going to go direct, if you would. He always went direct. Don't misunderstand me. Moses wasn't the Pope. But, but what we have here is, is where Joshua is in a new point, a new spot in his relationship with God. It's a new responsibility, if you would. His role and responsibilities have changed, but he's still under God's leadership. So important to see that. See, the key for Joshua is the same for you and me. God leads you. Moses, you notice what God said? Moses, my servant. God's servant. Moses was faithful. He, he's, he's, he's with me. You, Joshua, will lead them to the land I am giving to them. So what's important is he leads. And this, you see why I'm setting this up this way and reminding you of this. He leads you in this new season. New season in relationships. New season in you fill in the blanks in your situation. He leads you. He provides. He protects. He takes care of his people. See, as men, we can sometimes take on more pressure and put more upon ourselves than we could ever fulfill. Because we want to take, do it right. We want to be serious. We want to provide for our kids. We want to do the things that we should do. But we have to realize you can't do all that you want to do. You want to serve God. You want to do these. You want to, you want to provide for your family. You want to have a good home. You want to be able to relax. You've got to let God provide. He provides for you. He protects. You can't be gone all the time and be home protecting your family all the time. I don't care how well, how, if you're on a first name basis with Smith and Weston, it wouldn't matter. 
You see what I'm saying? There's an element you have to, we have to be honest. Like, man, I can't. He protects. He provides. Joshua is still a servant. You are still a servant. In the season where your roles and responsibilities vary, shift, increase, whatever it may be, you're still under God's leadership. It's so important. Because Joshua's handed something, like many of us, were handed some exciting and scary things, which is the next portion we'll look at, verses 3 and 4. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. And then he gives the uh, parameters of this promised land. He, He lays it out. This is be an exciting, scary experience. You, you know, you ever had those? Exciting, because you know they've spent forty years along the riverside of indifference. A generation of complainers missed the blessing that God had for them, and now is the time to leave the complaining behind and cross over into the land of blessing. Let that simmer and settle if you're more tilted to uh, kind of complaining a touch more than maybe you recognize. They miss the blessing because they could only find out what's, they could only see what's wrong. Some of us are analytical. We could say it that way. Some of us are, you know, kind of, it's just our brain wiring to a certain degree. We're troubleshooters. You know, I spent 20 years working in a, a truck shop fixing broken trucks so that's just, that was an asset, a quality. But it's not a quality when I go home and try to fix broken kids that aren't broke. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you know, finding all the fault. And all that, okay, it's one thing to be aware. But let's see what's actually still working. Let's focus upon that. And all I'm saying is they missed out. And Joshua, who was not one of those who were complaining, his generation passed away on the other side of the river. They missed, they still had relationship with God, but they completely, and I would say totally missed what God had laid out for them because of their attitude. And now Joshua gets to lead them. It's got to be exciting. I mean, like you've been, you know, why are we over here? Because we haven't got the go button yet. We can't go into the promised land yet. And they knew why, because God said, listen, I'll tell you why you ain't going in. And so Joshua is like, okay. He didn't say, okay, on this day we'll go. But now Joshua, he gets to go. You know, he didn't murmur. He didn't complain. He wasn't, didn't have a half-empty attitude. You, you know what I mean by half-empty attitude? So I'll explain my, my way of thinking. So the glass is either half full or half-empty, right? So the half-empty attitude always sees, oh, yeah, but there's, this is missing and it's not there. Well, kind of shift a little bit. And it's not the power of positive thinking, how silly that is. There's no power in that. There's great ideas and stirs some emotion and leaves you, you know, cowering in the corner when there's no power in it. I always open these can of worms. Have you ever noticed that? Just like, still, it's not the power of positive thinking. It's the reality of life going, hey, yeah, this needs to fix. This isn't working, but God. But reality is also this. And I'll choose to see this with my eyes lifted up more so than to gaze upon this with my head pointing down. Caught up by the thing. It's just half empty. And it's discouraging. It's debilitating. We justify it by finding some passage to support it in Scripture. And God says, (laughs) it's lukewarm. It's vomit to him. It just, because it's an insult. It's saying to him, you can't take care of your kids very well. And he says, I know how to take care of you. You can have what you want. 
a half-existent, barely getting by life, and that's all you have in this world. And he's like, man, just here's the bus. He's like, I, I've got, you've got the point. Anyway, it's a big thing for Joshua to be now moving in. It's exciting, and it's scary. It's that big. He knows God's faithfulness. He's seen it. And yet at the same time, he realizes this is a big move. This is a big thing, a big time in my life. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man will stand in opposition to you that God won't take care of. No man will rise or urse up or take the leadership God has given you. I am, I've got this. And so that's an encouragement to, to Joshua. It's a, it's a reminder. I was with Moses. I'll be with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Simple truths solve big problems. Just remember this. And I believe this is, I really believe this is a key to, the joy, to a joyful Christian life for every one of us. The key is remembering he leads you. He leads you. Almost too simplistic. But he leads you. He could say to Joshua, Joshua, I led you when you were in Egypt. When as a young man, you were in captivity to the Egyptians. And your life was hard. You ha- it was hard. It was sweat. It was seemingly pointless. It didn't seem to be going anywhere. There seemed to be no hope on the horizon. I led you. I led you when you learned from Moses. When you were learning from Moses and you've seen him strike the rock and you've seen him strike out and you see him do these things, I, I led you. I will lead you through this. And you apply yourself to that principle. I've led you there. Before you knew me, I was still leading you, God would tell you and me. I led you as a young Christian. I can lead you through this current situation. I will lead you. Because that's what's being said. I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Now, I did a little research on, you know, forsake is not a word that we use as fluently or as, you know, frequently in street language, so to speak. But here's what it speaks of. I will not abandon you. I will not neglect. I will not leave you alone. I will not lose you. That one stuck out in the memory bank. I will not lose you. So I'm looking at your faces, so pay attention. Have any of you ever lost one of your children in a retail outlet? (laughs) Raise your hands. Oh, yeah, well... A few honest people. Have any of you not known where you're... See, guys don't get lost and guys don't lose things. But they're not sure where they are. They're just not lost yet. So it's possible you may have not known where your child was when it was your responsibility to keep track of your child in a retail outlet, right? Now I can know all the hands could go up. We're in a store. And I remember... We have six kids, you know, and they're, when we moved out here, they're between five and 15 years of age. So it gives you, there's a 10, 10 year range with uh, six kids. We're in this retail outlet. I can count six without even using both hands, seriously. I count myself first. Anyway, so it's like, we're missing one. Kim, where's, I don't remember which one it was because it's not the, it happened more than once. It's like, ah, 
So now you, you go into full, we, don't, we didn't have the digital help back then, like things like a cell phone or stuff like that. So you just like, all of a sudden, you're just like, you're starting to get into panic mode. And then you're looking at the other kids over there and you can't find this kid. It's like, ah. And then you find them inside the circle of clothes and they're hanging out in there. Like, and they hear you. They know you're yelling. They can tell the panic and they're enjoying the moment. And there's like, and then they're like, and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I found you. You're dead. (laughs) You're laughing because you all know this scenario. You know, we've had it happen more than in different places. God will not lose you. See, you can't hide from him. I, I believe it's Psalm 139. If I could rise to a snow capped peak to the highest point on the planet, or if I could descend to the lowest, lowest point in marine life, the lowest place on the earth, under the water, he would still be there. I can't escape him. So realizing I can't get away from him and his love, is he always knows me. Wow. When he's leading you into something big and different in this new thing, he will not lose you. He will not be like resetting the planets and putting another you know, stripe around one of them or whatever, and go, oh, the kids. I could tell you other stories, but you really don't want to hear them right now, but we're going to move along. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's God's statement to a man taking a step into the unknown. A man who's seen God's faithfulness in the past and knows God will be faithful in the future. But he's like, okay, okay. Verse six. Now, God said, I'll be there with you. God give the direction. God said he'd provide the provision. He's going to bring the protection. So it's pretty much from here on out, easy chair life, pull up a beach chair, kick back in the shade, and just watch what life, how it happened. Life's going to be so simple. Mm-hmm. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Why would you have to be strong and of good courage? Because you're going you're gonna to face battle. You're going to face opposition. It will not be easy, but catch the next portion. For to this people, you shall divide the inheritance I'll give them. It will not be easy, but it will be rewarding. Being a dad is not easy, but it is greatly rewarding. Being a mom is not easy, but it is rewarding. The seasons that we have with our children build memories that form and shape our character. And we we hold on to those, even with some disappointment and sadness. We choose our memories. I want to tell you that. Choose your memories. There's some, just ditch them. Let's face it, you're going to forget half the stuff. If you live long enough, you'll forget most everything anyway. So why don't you just prioritize them now, keep the ones that are right, and discard the ones that are only causing heartache. I really think that's biblical. I could show you some passages, and I could have you read Hebrews 11 and how God views people. Cherish your memories. Choose love. Hold those dear Realize it's going to be tough. There there are tough seasons behind you. There's tough seasons in front of you, but it is rewarding. And and Joshua is going to experience something. He is going to get to be the person who takes a group of wanderers who have been, you know, kind of waiting. The the, the, the whiners passed away, but the wanderers are still here. And he gets to bring them into the land and be a part of the distribution of God's promises. Bringing them something stable and sure and certain that they've never experienced. 
A promise that God said. And he gets to be a part of it. And he has to be strong and courageous because it won't be easy. Don't quit. Don't quit. Notice verse 7. He actually speaks it again. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Three times we're told in verse 6, in verse 7, and again in verse 9, to be strong and of courage or strong and courageous. And we see here in this portion, this verse, there's something else to that. Be strong and of good courage. Hold on to the word of God and observe to do. That's really interesting. Think about that. He says specifically in scripture that we're to read it, to know it, that you may observe to do according to all that's in it. Observing to know the word without observing to do is where hypocrisy comes from. When you can quote the Bible and speak about God's principles, but you don't practice them, then your coworkers and other people, when another person in another county or a family member says, would you like to go to church, they in reference to you, no, thank you. There's just a bunch of hypocrites there. Isn't it sad that the assessment by many that the church has hypocrites in it is an accurate assessment? I wish I could say it's a lie. But the fact is, some people who, who frequent, or perhaps on occasion they're, they're introducing themselves as Christian, they observe to know but their life practice is not reflecting that they observe to do. And it's so important. It's a really important thing to distinguish. I don't want to stand before you and share these words with you because I observe to know them and then distribute them. You will be blessed. I will just not be blessed. I will just, I'll find my life lacking and void and somewhat of hypocrisy. And I found it so much, so much more joyful to live according. Observe to do. To live this out. Notice he also says in verse 7, that you may prosper wherever you go. This is not along the lines of the false doctrine, the prosperity doctrine, the name and claimant foolishness that has evolved time and time again to feed the carnal mind of selfish people. What this is, is the prosperity, the prosper there speaks of, of good success, spiritually and physically. See, his relationship with God is physical in the sense that the person is currently in, in this body, this tent, Joshua. But it's a spiritual engagement. And here he's being told that this is good success is spiritual and physical. In our culture, we know some get physical takes too much of a focus and so they can be physically minded having prosperity defined as some type of acquisition of of assets and accumulation of some type of wealth and calling that successful at the expense of spiritual truth and it's really not a true prosperity it's not really prosperous you know i have you know i'm sick i just turned 60 recently and in the last 30 years, serving in, in this capacity currently and in, in other areas of, of serving God and ministry, I've sat beside people in hospitals, in homes, um, uh, in different places, we'll just say that, and seen them pass from this life. that the, the, they, they pass away, as we would say. And some I've had conversation with in those last moments and maybe the last days. I've never, and I've never even heard of another minister, another servant having this experience. I've never had one say, 
I just wish I had more money to take with me. I just wish I had more, uh, a better title. I wish I'd have got the promotion. It would, have, it would have made this time in my life so much better. What do we know? What do we know? Very, very, very wealthy people historically, very normal people like you and I, have said, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I wouldn't have traded off all that that I really value for these things that are of no value because I don't have them now. You see what I'm saying? The world says this is successful, but prosperous according to God's design is living according to purpose. And it's got much more to do with people than it does to do with some of the things of this life. He says, observe to do that you may have true success. You may know. This book of law, verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Repeats it again. He does use the word meditate. Um, The word there just literally speaks of to ponder, to put into action, to work through and to work out. So it's to mull it over. When you read the word of God, when I'm reading it, it's not just a handbook. It's an introduction to a person. It's a relationship with the living God. And so as I have an ear, I'm developing this hearing. I want to have a sensitivity to what would stand out. I, I ponder it. I chew on it. I wonder about it. I work it through. Because as you read and as you study, you start you know, seeing the application. But it, it's not something that just comes easy. You don't just arrive at some point where you always just know. Because honestly, as we observe to do and we start realizing, we meditate upon it, we learn how to work it out and work it through. That we're workmen who do not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We're meditating on it and chewing on it. So let's just wrap this up in verse 9. Verse 9, honestly, is a review, and I'm going to use it as a form of an outline for review. We see in verse 9, the first portion I'd mentioned, it's a new season. He says, have I not commanded you? It's a question presented to Joshua to remind him that you chose to follow me, and I'm going to give you, this is a new season. But in any season, in regards to leadership, lordship, small choices or the pathway to great changes. Small choices. It's not a big choice. It's not like it's all these other things he has to consider. He's been invited to let God lead him in a new situation, in a new season. So it's not a, it's not a big choice. It's one or the other. It's, a, it's an important choice. But you see, you know, sometimes we, we're trying to figure out what's happening way down, way down the road. Listen, just right here. One step at a time. One choice. Today, I will follow the Lord. Today, I will, with all that's in me, as he chose me, I'm going I'm to do what I know was the right thing to do. We used to tell our kids that, especially when they entered the teen years. We knew we weren't there with them all the time, and we would just say simply this, do what you know you should do. Just do the right thing. Whether it's easy or not, whether it's convenient, doesn't matter. Just do, what the right th- do the right thing. And, you know, sometimes they learned it and got it. Sometimes they, they learned what it wasn't until the next time they had it dialed up. For you and I, let's just, it's a new season. It's a new season for you. The second one I would point out, he leads you. We looked at this previously. He's saying, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. He leads you. 
So with him leading, it's so important. It takes a lot of the pressure off of you. As a dad who maybe you put yourself a lot of pressure on yourself to try to provide in certain ways and have certain things, just kind of give yourself a little space to learn to listen, to know where he's leading you and how he's leading you. The next one I draw your attention to or have you consider by way of outline is rise to the occasion. You know, he is the one leading, rise to the occasion. There's that moment, that time, that prompting where you'll make a sacrifice for your family, you'll make a decision that's gonna be difficult, but you know it's the right thing to do and it's the right time, and so you rise to the occasion. It's not you being super strong, it's you responding to his prompting. Rise to the occasion. The second principle we see that applies for all of us, be strong, or I mean the fourth one is be strong and courageous. We've seen that through this text three different times. We see it here in verse 9, be strong and of good courage. There will be difficulty. There will be battle. It will be hard. Bad decisions are often more painful than good decisions. You know, weak decisions result in more difficulty and pain, even though they seem to be a quick fix. In reality, being courageous is standing and making the right decision and just knowing it's just the right, it's, it's, gonna, it's just how it's got to be. You're going to have to stand for your family. You're going to have to stand on the principles God's given you. Every single one of us in here will be tested. And it's not because, you know, God doesn't know what we'll do. Just the world is going to come at you. And uh, knowing where you stand, knowing who you serve, knowing the God who created you, you then decide, you know, I'm going to be strong and courageous. I don't think strong and courageous should ever be seen as rude and indignant in the world that we live in. It's kind and compassionate. It's meek, which is strength under control. It's not pompous. It's not putting people down. It's not in any way mockery or you know, cold-heartedness. It's Christ-likeness to be strong and courageous, knowing why you stand for what you stand for and knowing how, you're, how you stand. Number five, do not be afraid. Faith triumphs over fear. Faith triumphs over fear. He's told, Joshua is told, do not be afraid. He's seen the Red Sea parted and passed through it. He's seen God's provision for four decades. He's seen the faithfulness of God. And guess what? He still has element of fear because he's alive. Because he's living and he's logical and he's analytical and he's a good leader and he weighs these things out. But God's reminding him, don't be afraid. Faith triumphs over fear in our lives as well. You can't be afraid and fearful and go in, you're going to go one direction or the other, agreed? You might vacillate back and forth, which is really exhausting. Or you might find yourself going, you know what? This fear is just dragging me down. It, it, fear builds fear, but actually faith builds upon faith because you see God's faithfulness. The last thing as we see the Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In this new season, whatever your struggle, whatever your challenge, whatever your opportunity, God is with you. And when that season reaches a, a, a plateau, some of you are climbing and it's been hard and it's difficult, it's exhausting, it's emotionally draining, and maybe you sense you're at a plateau. That plateau is beautiful in this journey with Jesus because it gives you a sense to... But there may very well be another, plat another climb because he's drawing you closer to him. And he's forming you and making you and shaping you into his image and likeness. So with that, I'd like the worship team to come up. We'll... Uh
close in a word of prayer and a song of worship. If you will turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15, we'll bring it up on projection as well. This will be a, a passage we'll look at and pray through as the worship team comes up. Randy, you want to switch to this other mic and I'll use it to close out. As we consider 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57 and 58, um, I just want to encourage you that God is faithful. He knows your moment. You may be in a good moment, a good time, and you may be struggling. He knows you. He is faithful. He is faithful. Our call, our invitation, his word to us is come to me. Learn to trust me. Get to know me. Hear my voice. Know what I'm leading you to. And when you, can't, when you have fear and apprehension, understand I know that. I will walk you through. I will carry you in times you don't even realize it. So let's pray. And we're going to pray through this portion of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15. God, thank you for this time. Thank you that we can gather in your name, Lord. And thank you for your word as you have written it on our hearts. I know you've taken one verse and give application to one person and another word emphasis and application to someone else lord we know you're faithful you long for your children to know your word and to know you well and so thank you god and lord we know as we would gather in this group and online that there were certainly some who have not yet come into the relationship with you they don't have the confidence they don't have the full knowledge that they're born again And when you said, we must be born again, we must surrender our lives and take hold of the life you give to us. And so for anyone who is at that point, I just would lead you in this simple prayer. God, I I don't know all of this stuff. I'm not really sure on some of these things. But I do know I've sinned against you. I do know there's things that I've done that I have to have your forgiveness for. I, I, I... just ask for your forgiveness. I, I do. And, and Jesus, I believe you're the only one that can forgive me. You're the only one that has died and rose from the dead and conquered death and hell. You're the only one that died for my sins to wash them away and cleanse them and take them away. I can't explain it all. I, I just accept those truths. And so I would ask for your forgiveness. I'd ask you to give me this life you speak of. I ask that you would show me how to live from this day forward. Show me what to let go of. Show me what to take hold of. Guard me from myself and my own persuasion. Guard me from religion, which would interfere with the relationship with you. Lead me in this new life, God. And Lord, we all ask that you would remind us, Lord, to be thankful, to recognize that you have given us the victory because of your work. Jesus, you have accomplished what only you can do. And therefore, may we each be aware of the unity of the brethren, what you have drawn together, God. May we be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in your work, confident, God, knowing that as we sweat and toil and labor, it's not pointless. It's for your purposes when it's done in you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.